0: Hi, I'm Martin Kotbach, working as an attorney at law in Germany, Cologne, and I'm working with invention matters and employees' inventions. And you're listening to
1: IP Fridays. Hello and welcome to this episode of IP Fridays. Our names are Ken Suzanne and Rolf Clayson, and this is the podcast dedicated to intellectual property. It does not matter where you are from. In-house or private practice, novice or expert, we will help you stay up to date with current topics in the fields of trademarks, patents, design and copyright, discover useful tools and much more.
2: Welcome to episode 87 of IP Fridays. Today's interview guest is Martin Quodbach, one of the very few experts who really knows the Employees' Inventions Act in Germany, the law defining the remuneration of employees for their inventions, and this will be very interesting for all the patent professionals among the listeners. But before we jump into the interview, I have some news for you. Um, First of all, I want to tell you that the EU has published a position paper on their wishes post-Brexit. So what they would like to see after a Brexit. And from the position paper, you can see that the negotiations will be tough. The EU demands that owners of existing EU-wide IP rights like European patents or like EU trademarks should post-Brexit automatically have a UK UK equivalent IP right for no additional financial costs and with minimal administrative burdens. And if such UK protection requires new UK legislation to create or recognize such a right in the UK, that needs to be in place at the withdrawal date, at the Brexit date. Another point is that for EU-wide IP applications, which are pending at the time of Brexit, the applicants should be able to seek protection in the UK from the same date as their pending EU application to ensure no rights are lost. And as a last important point, any IP rights which are exhausted, meaning IP owners can not object to further commercial activities, in the EU before the withdrawal date should remain exhausted in both the UK and other EU member states. I took this information from a great article on Lexology.com dated September 7. The next thing is about the EU IPO, the EU Intellectual Property Office. As many of you might know, as from 1st of October 2007, there will be a lot of changes regarding trademarks, EU trademarks. And I want to briefly summarize the main changes. First of all, the rules regarding graphical representation changed. So, graphical representation is no longer a requirement for Uh, trademarks, so you can submit sound trademarks, motion trademarks, multimedia trademarks or holograms also with mp3 files or with mp4 files. And shape marks uh, can be submitted not only with jpeg files but also with obj files, stl files and x3d files. Also, a new trademark type will be introduced starting from 1st of October, the certification mark. In essence, a EU certification mark relates to the guarantee of specific characteristics of certain goods and services. The certification mark is defined as a mark that is capable of distinguishing goods or services which are certified by the proprietor of the mark in respect of material, mode of manufacture of goods, or performance of services, quality, accuracy or other characteristics with the exception of geographical origin from goods and services which are not so certified. The regulation of use constitutes the essence of the certification mark. These must be filed within two months of the application and need to contain in particular three things. First, the characteristics of the goods or services to be certified. secondly, the conditions governing the use of the certification mark and thirdly the testing and supervision measures to be applied by the certification mark owner. One very important point is that the owner of a certification mark is precluded from using the mark for the certified goods and services. And then there are some procedural changes. One of the most important changes is, are the changes regarding priority. The priority claims must be filed together with the EUTM application and the documentation in support of the claim must be filed within three months of the filing date. The priority claim is no longer examined in substance and it remains as a mere claim until it is relied upon and is, it is necessary to validate it in proceedings. Then there is a change regarding the acquired distinctiveness as a subsidiary claim Applicants will have the possibility of invoking Article 7.3 as a subsidiary or alternative claim either at the start of the application process or later. The advantage of a subsidiary claim is that it only crystallizes if there is a negative final decision on inherent distinctiveness. This allows the applicant to exhaust its right of appeal on inherent distinctiveness before it is required to prove acquired distinctiveness. This will mean that the users do not need to incur the expense of gathering and presenting evidence of use unless it is necessary. Then there are some formal changes regarding opposition and cancellation proceedings. They are basically brought in line with each other and the grounds have been reordered for clarity. One other change that makes lives uh, of t- uh, of trademark owners much easier is the online substantiation. So you no longer have to file um, copies of the registries, uh, of the register details of trademarks that you, for example, in, invoke in opposition proceedings, but you can actually uh, file a reference to these uh, trademarks for example a URL to a TM view um, result in a search then there are changes regarding languages in translation as of October 2017 most types of evidence can be can be continued to be filed in any official language of the EU but where the language used for evidence of substantiation is not the language of the proceedings, a translation will now be required only where requested by the office on its own motion or upon recent request by the other party. However, evidence for substantiation, for example certificates of filing, registration and renewal or provisions of relevant law must still be submitted in the language of the proceedings or translated into this language within the time limit set for substantiation. One other change in the EUTM rules is about the assignment of EUTMs, EU trademarks, where an agent or a representative registers an EUTM without the proprietor's authorization. The proprietor is now entitled to demand the assignment of the EUTM and previously the remedy for the proprietor under the UTMR was to invalidate the UTM. So this must be much easier now. Then there are a lot of changes regarding the communication with the office, the EU IPO. So you can no longer hand deliver um, things or deposit things in a post box at the office, but you can still use a courier to deliver any uh, paper as of 1st of october fax is defined as an electronic means so fax is no longer explicitly mentioned but this uh, it is assumed that fax is electronic means as of 1st of january 2018 fax will no longer be accepted for filing eotm applications or renewals and then there are some minor changes regarding the rules for the boards of appeal and some transitional rules. So, now let's jump into the interview with Martin Kotbach about employees inventions in Germany. I'm very excited to be joined by Martin Kotbach today. If you don't know who Martin is, he is one of the very few experts in the field of Germany Employees Invention Act. That is the act for remuneration of uh, German employees for their inventions. And he's also attorney at law for CBH Cornelius Badenbach, Hesemann and Partner in Cologne, my own hometown. And his office is only, uh, let's say, uh, not very far away from our office. So thank you for very much for being on the show, Martin. Yes. And thank you, all for your invitation. I really appreciate what you're doing. So, uh, most of our listeners are probably not familiar with the Germany's Employers' Invention Act. Uh, can you briefly summarize the, the main goals and what is important, for example, for US companies? Most of our listeners are from the US, so
0: maybe you can focus on their issues, let's say. <laughs> okay, so um, to understand the law, I think it's good to take a view back in, in the history because uh, our uh, special law has uh, a quite long history and up to now, over 70 years now. The first uh, idea was to um, create an, ex- um, an incentive for employees to make inventions. Um, and um, the second motivation, and, and so a very important motivation, is um, that the uh, constitutional law requires a compensation for um, the transfer of rights from the employee to the employer. So um, the constitutional law says that intellectual property is a part of the property that is um, uh, secured by the constitutional law. And um, the German act uh, wants to balance balance the mutual rights and obligations uh, on the one hand that the employee loses his rights. And on the other hand, he gets um, a consideration uh, in form of the um, uh, remuneration uh, claims. Um, Let me just say uh, summarize uh, the main elements um, of the law. Um, The law covers um, so-called service inventions, um, and um, these service invention uh, can either be an invention in in a so-called an obligatory um, invention, meaning that the employee uh, works in his field um, of a contractual um, field. Um, for example, an employee who works in a research and development um, department um, and he owes um, to seek for inventions. And um, in the other um, other on the other hand we have so-called experience inventions. Um, that are invention that are based on experience or activities of the um, employee, um, and to to give you an impression how these um, terms are handled in the practice. Uh, in fact, um, there there's all, there's only a very little um, invention that that are not service invention. You always find a hint to um uh, to define. Um, at least an uh, experience invention. So in practice, free inventions are very seldom. The law um, in principle the law stays with the basic principle that um, the owner of the of an invention is the inventor. Um, and then um, the, the the law um, becomes relevant saying that the employer, can claim for service inventions um, and um, in principle that requires a formal claiming um, via textual form um, but we have uh, since um, October 29 we, have, we had a change in, in the law that says as long as the employer does not uh, release the invention in textual form. Um, the, um, the the employer can still claim the invention um, before twenty uh, before t- uh, two thousand nine. Uh, we had several problems with this transfer of right because the the old version of the law required um, a, a written de- uh, declaration um, by the employer uh, saying he wants to claim the invention and. Um, there was, in um, in 2006, um, a decision of the uh, German Federal Court, so-called um, Haft Etiquette um, um, case law, meaning uh, if you translate uh, it, it's a sticker case. Um, and this case law uh, says that um, the due time for claiming the rights, in the four-month period, Um, has um, become into force by um, applying for patent application when uh, naming the inventor as an inventor before the patent office. Um, And in cases where both parties, so the employee and the employer, did not know about the law, um, there were the fact that the the employee invention uh, became uh, free because uh, the employer uh, missed to claim uh, the uh, invention in due time, and um, actually uh, we still have to 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 um, to handle such old cases, um, because every an, an invention and patent application filed before um, October two th- for, uh, uh, October two thousand nine, um, let's say uh, June mm-hmm. two thousand nine, because of the four months period is still relevant in the future, certainly. Uh, I think we work on these cases um, at least 10 more years uh, from now. So that is the the, the basic um, claiming and the, the transfer of the right as, as one uh, issue of the law. Um, and certainly, I, I mentioned, um, we have the claim for remuneration. Um, and in Section 9 of the law, um, the, we find this claim for um, reasonable remuneration, um, but the law itself does not say what is reasonable and what uh, what is not. As an as a um, second regulation, um, we have these official remuneration guidelines, and um, that in fact um, did not pass the um, the, the federal uh, parliament, uh, but was only published by the, um, by the Ministry of Labor um, already in, in 1959. So the, the Act w- was um, the formal act and was from um, n- 1957 and these guidelines are published in 1959. And in this remuneration guidelines, we have several provisions. Um, ruling the, the calculation of the remuneration claim, but I think we can come to this point uh, later. Um, and further, the law uh, comprises some formal rights of an inventor, um, section 13, 13 um, rules the, the, the right or the duty of the employer to file a patent application after after getting an invention report from an employee and um, the employer is obliged to file it in in, in due time uh, without any delay. Uh, Meaning um, always an an effort, uh, paying a patent attorney um, to, to draft such an application and sometimes and it is um, it is um, always a, a financial burden um, because maybe there are some other thoughts and patent strategy to wait with such an immigration But the law is quite clear in that point. The um, that the employer actually has, does not have the 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 liberty to to do what he wants, um, and we have some for further formal rights and obligations. Saying that the employer has to um, release um, patent applications in foreign countries if he don't want to to, to seek for patent protection in, in in such countries, and also the employer has to release um, and transfer applications that he does not want to uphold uphold. Um, and uh, last uh, part, uh, last point in, in the in the laws. That it's very um, strictly um, in in favor uh, to the employee because the parties are strictly bound to the law. Um, Section 22 says that there is no waiver to the detriment of the employee uh, employee, uh, before an invention report, and um, section 23 uh, protects the employee um, for um, against. Um, agreements that um, might be um, a detriment for the employer, and um, uh, section twenty twenty three requires that um, agreements are have to be um, equitable, um, and, and as long as, for example, there's a, a thumb rule, the the compensation claim um, is less than fifty percent of the claim um, that's covered by the law the um, respective agreement um, is unvalid.
2: so um uh, now we have an overview of what the law encompasses really and what the law is all about but uh, what would be the most crucial points in practice when handling the law by an employer so what what should an employer do to yeah uh, to uh, abide by
0: the law basically <laughs> mm. I can answer this um, question against uh, the background of our of our daily work. Um, so to say, um, about um, 50% of our cases are disputes about the um, about the reasonable remuneration. Um, so there there's litigation, and there's also a possibility to uh, go to the arbitration board at the German Patent Office. Um, in, in order to find an amicable solution uh, between employee and uh, employer, uh, that's one one uh, b- big issue always. Um, and then, as already mentioned, we have problems with the, the transfer of rights in old cases before uh, 2009. Um, and certainly, there's also um, there are a lot of matters where uh, we advise clients um, in, 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 with regard to. Uh, remuneration question and incentive systems i think maybe that's a point we can um, uh, come to that later um and but all these these, these um, agreements on um, on the rights and duties um, covered by the law um, have to be um, assigned after the invention report as uh, already mentioned because the law is quite strict in this um, in this matter.
2: Now we heard a lot about remuneration. <laughs> I mean, that the money that actually gets transferred from the employer to the employee.
0: Um, what would be a typical remuneration to be paid? Mm, um, it's uh, quite hard uh, to answer it uh, in, in an abstract way, because certainly it always depends on the single case. Um, the, the remuneration guidelines are based on the principle um, that the remuneration has to follow the, the principle of monopoly, saying um, the employee, employee um, has to be compensated uh, for benefits that the employer drives um, on basis of the, the patent protection. So if, if the patent can be exploited, then the employee has um, to, to get a part of these benefits. Um, the remuneration, remuneration gui- guidelines comprises a, a lot of uh, quite mathematic uh, formula um, how the remuneration has to be calculated. Um, and the, the basic formula is that the economic value of the invention um, has to be um, multiplied with the so-called participation factor. It's a little bit um, ha- hard, it's, it's not easy to translate these uh, technical terms uh, in, the, in the remuneration guidelines. So, economical values is a, a, a technical term uh, in, in, for, for us and for, for me and also this uh, participation uh, factor. Um, and certainly the remuneration also depends on the way of exploiting the invention. For example, making a t- turnover with um, with patented uh, products is One one possibility, one way uh, to exploit an invention, but we certainly can also have um, benefits in, in form of licensing contracts, uh, so licensing and royalty incomes and invention certainly also can be sold to a third party and the purchase price must be the basis for calculating the remuneration. Um, So the economical value as a technical term um, asks what would be the market price for the invention. Um, And we consider the view of a rational and reasonable parties that would be for example license the invention to to the market. And if we have come to such an uh, economic value, We have to ask what is the personal participation factor of the inventor. That term must not be mixed with the inventor's portion or inventor's share in the invention. That certainly is a known factor. For example, an inventor that only has a contribution to the invention of 50% Uh, does not get the same as a whole uh, inventor. The personal participation factor um, depends on three uh, sub-factors. The first factor is uh, how close was the inventor um, to research and development activities. So was he hired for making inventions? Um, The second sub-factor ask um, the history and solution of the invention um, was the invention um, uh, derived from know-how and technical assistance that um, was um, um, uh, that he had access to and the 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 third asked the position and in the hierarchy of the employer Um, so for example uh, an unskilled worker in a workyard um uh, solving a problem uh, which is not uh, which is complete outs- outside of his background gets an um, um, uh, uh, part- personal participation factor maybe up to 100% um and on the other hand we have a, um, a head of a research and development department that at the end just can claim for a personal participation factor of 5 or 7% mm-hmm.
2: But um, now we know how the remuneration is calculated. And you uh, quickly avoided my original question, right? (laughs) So how much money actually is uh, transferred from the employer to the employee? Um, Let's say we have an example. In an example, we have uh, a product uh, has a turnover of 1 million euros revenue per year um and there would be a sole inventor just only one inventor uh, what what do you think what would be a typical
0: um, remuneration for such uh, in such a case okay in 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 that case um, the we would would base the remuneration on the um, royalty uh, consideration so uh, the license energy uh, energy would be the predominant calculation method um, and then, first, we have to ask if the invention was already uh, subject to a, a, con- a license contract. In this, in that case, this license contract sets the measure also for the calculation. If we don't have a, a concrete license contract, we ask um, license contracts in the technical field and what uh, royalty rates are, um, are common in this field. For example, um, if we we can assume an royalty rate for, for t- of two uh, percent, um, and then we have to ask um, is if the the product is completely covered by the invention, or if maybe it's it's only a part of the product. Uh, so we call it a, 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 the the co- determining the correct technical reference value um, of the invention, but when we really assume when the the whole part is protected, and then we can calculate. And as said, we, we take the, the one million uh, turnover um, and multiply it with a license uh, royalty rate of, as said, two uh, percent. Then we have the invention value um, would mean uh, twenty thousand uh, euro. And, and then we have the next step in the calculation, um, the personal contribution factor. Um, certainly, we would need details of the, the single case. But, for example, if you um, consider um, a, a member of a, a research and development group, so an, an engineer, um, then I would assume in his personal contribution factor about 10%. And That would lead to to a remuneration, um, uh, to of of two thousand euro based on a turnover with one million euro.
2: Ah, great example! <laughs> so
0: now we know how
2: much money they earn. So it's uh, typically. Uh, not so much, um, and the employers will not go broke by paying the employees' inventions, their remuneration, and I think it's a good incentive to uh, incentivize the employees to be creative and inventive. <laughs> what do you think? Um, are the most uh, important recent developments in the case law in Germany?
0: We are, let's say, we are we're dealing with with the law. Um, for 70 years now, so there are typical problems that are the same in, in, in the whole time and will keep the same. I think because there's um, there's no there's only very little chances of uh, amend- amendment of the law. So uh, we expect uh, the law to to stay the same as it is uh, for uh, also the next uh, 10 or 20 years. Um, but one um, one topic um, that is quite uh, dis- discussed or often, often discussed in the, in the last years is a problem that the employer is not a, 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 a really a self-standing business in Germany, for example, but he is a uh, part of an international group of companies um, and uh, the German law has only a very um, a restricted view limited view um, uh, when um, forming this regulation and the, the law just is, f- is focused on an, on uh, economical advantages of the employer and only the, 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 the company of the employer. The, but um, we can imagine um, if the, if the employer is only part of a, a group, group, international mm-hmm. group, um, then it may be um, not really helpful to just look at uh, the benefits of, the, of this concrete company. Uh, f- for example, the, the company only does research um, uh, and development services for a parent uh, or a sister company and um, the, maybe the parent company really exploits um, the invention. Then the law, the, the German law, um, is really um, at, the, at the end of its uh, possibilities and for that um, reason there are certainly attempts um, uh, uh, driven by employees to get access to this to the benefit of the whole group um, and we have case law um, to that uh, related to that questions saying um, there is a possibility that the remuneration claim has to be based on the um, on the benefit of the whole group if um, either the groups, the group, um, the companies of the group work in a, a division of labor, um, and or if um, they form an economical entity, and um, and second question can be asked: What, um, what, how would reasonable parties of a license contract would react? Um, uh, what would, would be the outcome of such le- uh, negotiations between these uh, rational and reasonable parties and what would be the, for, for example the basis for a royalty agreement um, and that could also um, um, form a measure for our remuneration considerations. But you don't uh,
2: mean the license between the, the, the group uh, company and let's say the holding or something and a small research and development company but uh, apart from that let's say uh, that was like a different problem now or does it play into um, the, the problem with the group and the small research and development
0: mm-hmm. company um, we would consider the, the hypothetical uh, situation that a free inventor um, gets in contact with a employer with mm-hmm. a, with a with a german company mm-hmm. and they would uh, negotiate a license contract um, um, comprising also um, a right to use the invention in the whole group uh-huh. okay. and, and if this ah. um, licensee um, would have um, um, forced the, um, the employer mm-hmm. to uh, to pay for for all uh, companies and for the, for the benefits um, and mm-hmm. for the turnover of the whole company, then the gem remuneration um, uh, consideration would be equal to that. So that is very employee friendly. <laughs> yes, he, and, and we can go back to the, to the beginning saying that the um, employee has to be cons- compensated for his loss of his IP rights. That is uh, protected by the um, by the constitution, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, that just has, has to be equal and at least reasonable. Again, All, always uh, deals with the question of, of if, if the uh, remuneration is reasonable or not. Mm-hmm. And um, again, so this this background, coming back to your question, um, what is, what are the recent uh, developments, or uh, what are kind of evergreens in in, in our uh, daily work? Um, we have this idea of uh, remuneration and incentive systems um, and, and proposed by the employer. Um, but as I as already said, such systems can, uh, or such license, uh, such agreements, remuneration agreements um, can um, be um, agreed upon after the invention was reported the, the employer cannot implement such a system uh, for instance in an employment contract uh, mm-hmm. but uh, for case to say a case in every single case after uh, filing of the invention report and um, then we, we also advise companies in in such uh, remuneration and incentive systems that has um, to to fulfill the requirements of the law um, in, regarding, especially regarding the um, uh, section 23 of the law, law saying that um, uh, agreements are unvalid if they are not equitable.
2: Okay, so um, we talked about the incentive systems and um, things to make the life of employees easier. So... Employers, basically. Um, so what are the best ways to simplify the handling of uh, employees' inventions with uh, such uh, inventive si- uh, incentive systems?
0: Mm-hmm. Mm, that's quite a, um, a, a big range of possibilities and um, models uh, with different depths of regulations. Um, first, one idea is on, on often uh, to agree upon lump sums um in order um, to to get a waiver from the employee um, with regard to his um, remuneration claims in the future but um, this is um, quite um, uh, complicated uh, because um, of section 23 of the law uh, protecting uh, the the employee from, from himself at the end um, then but one, um established element of such assistance is a, a waiver of the employee of formal rights as says uh, section um uh, 13 um uh, 14 and 16 um which mean uh, a great, great bo- a burden for the employer um the, the employer always has to to um, to transfer uh, rights that he doesn't want to to uh, continue right. uh, yes and um we can you can try to uh, to minimize these administrative burdens that are connected with this this formal rights. And um, one further point in such uh, remuneration systems is um, that are lump sums as really incentive um, incentives. For example, um, incentives and lump sums in case of filing a patent application or. Um, in, 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 payment in case of granting of the first patent, um, or payment um, connected to the release of a product covering the invention, Um, but mostly such payments um, hardly can replace an individual elevation or uh, they they also can't uh, replace a final remuneration according to the law. So, mostly uh, such payments in advance are only deductible against the remuneration claim provided by the law. Um, one, one further point um, t- uh, to be mentioned is that the employee has a quite um, detailed c- claim for uh, information uh, for formation, um, uh, on the maker use of the invention. Uh, so, um, and this, this also uh, can mean a burden for the employer and within such uh, incentive systems um, one can can ease these claims and to make it um, more um, uh, comfortable for the employer. Mm -hmm.
2: Um, We have this uh, Employees Inventions uh, system in Germany um, and it's not very common in the rest of the world. (laughs) Do you think that, um, such, uh, incentive systems for incentivizing, um, inventions with employees is a model for multinational systems like big, large corporations?
0: Um, do you think they should in general or, uh, implement such rules? Mm-hmm. Um, we know, uh, no such, um, attempts, but it's always quite difficult. Uh, Certainly, uh, we have a a common basis, um, for example, paying incentives for um, inventions. I think that's a a, a point um, uh, that can also be um, agreed on for uh, multinational systems. But the the problem is that Germany has a quite high and uh, mandatory level um, um, based on the law so based on the on the uh, german inventors remuneration and if you uh, t- uh, try to um to adapt this um, this level to all countries um then there is a danger of, e- of exporting german special german problems um for example with regard to claims for information and rendering account um, so we advise client, uh, clients um, not to uh, to lift the, the German level on, on, on the international level. Um, at the end, um, mostly the, the, the German system will, will play a special role also in the future. So there's always incentives for the for the for the whole um, group. For, for companies and uh, special uh, provisions for handling uh, German employees inventions.
2: Mm-hmm. So uh, Martin, that was a very interesting uh, interview. Um, you we have learned a lot about the Germany Employees Invention Act. Uh, what would be the best way to uh, get in touch with you if our listeners would have questions for you?
0: Um, you're, you're invited to go on our website um, wWw. Uh, dot, uh, cbh.de.
2: All right. And people find you on the website of yes. course. <laughs> so, thank you very much for being on the show, Martin.
0: You're welcome.
1: That's it for this episode. If you liked what you heard, please show us your love by visiting ipfridays.com/love and tweet a link to this show. We would be so grateful if you would do that. It would help us out to get the word out. Also, please subscribe to our podcast at ipfridays.com or on iTunes or Stitcher.com. If you have a question or want to be featured in one of the upcoming episodes, please send us your feedback at ipfridays.com slash feedback. Also, please leave us a review on iTunes. You can go to ipfridays.com slash iTunes and and it will take you right to the correct page on iTunes. If you want to get mentioned on this podcast or even have comments within the next episode, please leave us your voicemail at ipfridays.com slash voicemail. You have been listening to an episode of IP Fridays. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of nor are they endorsed by their respective law firms. None of the content should be considered legal advice. The IP Fridays podcast should not be construed as legal advice or legal opinion on any specific facts or circumstances. The contents of this podcast are intended for general informational purposes only, and you are urged to consult your own lawyer on any specific legal questions. As always, consult a lawyer or patent or trademark attorney. Copyright 2014. All rights reserved.